Welcome to Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. I'm Sayard Evans. I'm the CEO at Arkansas Support Network, and we are a home and community-based service provider in Arkansas. We provide supported living services to folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities living in their own homes as active and valued members of their communities all across the state of Arkansas. And in doing this work, we come in contact with the intersection of disability and all aspects of life. And so our podcast is an ongoing conversation that we have with people from all across the organization in multiple roles coming together to talk about topics that impact life, that impact disability services, and that impact folks with disabilities. And so today I'm excited to talk about a topic that's really important to the work that we do in lots of different ways. One of the things that I say often at ASN is that our job is to support people to be active and valued members of their communities, but you cannot support people to live in their communities and be fully included and fully valued for their contributions unless we're committed to the work of building welcoming communities. So we spend a lot of time participating in activities, inviting folks to events, really engaging with the community around us to establish and create those welcoming communities and to figure out how we can be assets to our communities, not just a nonprofit that lives here and exists here and asks for things from our community, but how can we be a valuable asset to the communities that we exist in? And all of that comes back to the topic of the day, which is relationships. So today we have a couple of folks that are here with us to talk about relationships, to talk about misconceptions about relationships as they pertain to folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and to talk about the things that are important in relationships and lots of different relationships. So with me today, I have John, who has received services from Arkansas Support Network for a really long time. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, my name's John, but this is my first time on the podcast. And you have the best voice for it. So <laughs> I'm excited about what you have to contribute today. And my birthday's around the corner. Nice. We will come back to that. We also have Chibu, who is John's direct support professional. Would you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Chibu Zadilabe. Um, I go by Chibu. Glad to have you here. And we Thank have you. a return guest. She's been here a couple of times. She always does a great job and provides a perspective that's really important. We have Lindsay Parker, who's our director of behavioral health services. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. She also <laughs> loves being uh, with a microphone in her face. Uh, so, so, John, I want to start the conversation talking a little bit about the fact that a lot of people assume that for folks with intellectual and developmental disabilities, relationships are sometimes maybe not as important as relationships for other folks. And we know that's not true. You are probably one of the most relationship oriented people I know, which basically just means that relationships are really important to you. And so can you start out and tell us just a little bit about what you think is really important in relationships, any kind of relationship? Mostly honor and respect and being careful and also making those friendships last a long time. Yeah. 
And she here has been one of my staff for almost six years now. And I would say he's a pretty good staff for himself. So that's important, right? Like a a six-year relationship is a big deal. What are some of the things that the two of you feel like is important to a positive relationship? Go ahead, Chibu. I would say communication, you know, building friendships, you know. So it depends on what kind of relationship, though. Are you saying like relationship in terms of like, you know? Yeah. um, So I think the question is in general, like relationships in general. But I also think the question is between the two of you in in the working relationship, supporting relationship that you all have. Yeah, I would say uh, communication, respect, you know, building, you know, like good friendships, you know. And you go ahead. No, finish. And after all these years, we became like brothers. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's definitely a a familial connection when you have those strong support relationships. But John, you are the kind of person that, in my opinion, you build family. So the people that kind of come into your life you don't just take them for they're here today, gone tomorrow. You're the type of person that really learns about people. You connect with those folks and then you actively put work into following up and staying connected. And I know this firsthand because you and I met when you were four years old. I think I was 19 when we both kind of started our relationship with Arkansas Support Network. And that was a long time ago, 23 years ago. So we've been knowing each other for a long time and we've always had a very close relationship. It was never just a situation where, you know, I provided supports to you or was whatever role I was, but you've always been the type of person that, you know, you message me and check in on me. John is the type of person that gives compliments and appreciation freely and Those things go a long way in building relationships. And I think you bring that to the table to a lot of the folks that you support and work with, but also a lot of the folks that also receive services at Arkansas Support Network. Can you talk a little bit about how you think about nurturing relationships, if that makes sense? Does that question make sense? Yeah. Well, started when I was like 20 or 21, I started taking on things and as things gone, I tried to help out people just because they were on bad spots and I tried to change some things, helping them out. And I also realized later that my friends come my closest friends later on. They're like family and pretty much he came like a mom to me. Yeah, there's that family theme that you definitely collect folks and bring them into your circle in a pretty meaningful way. Can you talk a little bit about your background and your family and your relationship? I know you have multiple layers of family with your biological family and your adoptive family. And can you kind of describe what that looks like for you? Well, in the past, me and my adoptive mom had a lot of arguments, but Like I'm also realizing this life is short and I've been trying to tell my mom, just let things go. And I'm letting things go. I'm just learning how they handle things better. This year is different. I'm actually taking less things as in secret, in secret, like what's that word? 
I'm not sure. Insecurity. Oh. There's a lot of times where I try to help my friends and they don't realize what, what trouble they have gotten themselves into. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Um, so I think when it comes to like nurturing relationships, um, John is pretty good at, you know, like staying connected with like the people that he sees as friends, family. He always likes puts them first, mm -hmm. you know, before himself. And he always like calls to check up on them. Yeah. Definitely thoughtful in that way. It also makes me think, though, that relationships are hard. All relationships for yeah. all of us. And you're also the type of person that can really worry and stress and have a lot of kind of negative emotions around relationships. What I learned from that is like from my romantic relationships, I have a stand back and watch before anything else. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what I've been through, I have a little trauma from it, but I'm working through it. Yeah, that's good stuff. You're definitely the type of person that wants the best for the people that you care about and you kind of have a clear idea about what that looks like or what that should look like and you really experience the disappointment when people yeah. make decisions that aren't in line with what you think should be coming from them and that's difficult you've certainly had to learn to navigate that and learn how to be okay with that and i like the frame of stepping back and kind of waiting and seeing, I think that's an important skill because when you're the type of person who relationships are so center and so important to you, it's really hard when things don't go the way that you want them to and kind of navigating yeah. the disappointment in that. Yeah, and then I also learned that everything that might have been said is not as bad as sticks and stones yeah. Yeah. It hurts in the moment, though. Yeah, right? it does. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me is the mm. saying that you're referring to yeah. there. And, you know, there may be some practical truth to that, but the emotional hurt that comes with conflicts and relationships still hurts. Still yeah, definitely does. doesn't feel good. Yeah. And over the years, me and my mom, well, I used to pick up some things from her and then not mean to. And then I also thought years later, like, why are we even arguing? Mm -hmm. I just realized that my mom's may not be there for long and my sister might have to take over mm -hmm. or I might get the chance. Same time, I've been working on things that no one else would understand. Yeah. Like I know older people but at the same time, I'm starting to work on things where I like not stop fights because normally people try to bring me into them. And I was like, no, I'm just taking myself back. I'm trying to stay out of negative conflict. That's good. That's a good thing. Shibu, one of the things that you talked about was communication. Yes. So you and John have had a pretty good relationship from the start, even in times, I think, where John was kind of experiencing learning how to be in a relationship a little bit better and perfecting some of those skills. When you talk about communication, can you tell me about kind of how you all communicate with one another and what some of the important parts of that are? So I try to let John know that every relationship is different. It's like a learning curve for him. Like he has to realize that, okay, 
you know, what you do in this relationship is different from what you're going to do in the next relationship. So, you know, for him, every single relationship he gets into, whether it's good or bad, he has something to learn from it, you know. That's that's how normally we usually communicate. So I just try to let him know, okay, this this is probably what you did, and this is why it didn't go this way. And maybe next time try doing something like this, and it might go a different way. So Yeah. I think that what I see a lot in the communication between the two of you is that the kind of a listening understanding that goes both ways, right? Really taking the time to support the processing of what's happening. And I think that it sticks out so much because that's not something that always happens well in support relationships. I think a lot of DSPs show up in people's lives with this idea, this expectation that it's my job to tell this person what things should be or what should happen or how things should go. So there's a lot of like one way communication. There's a lot of instruction, a lot of correction, a lot of advice that's given, but it's not always that two way communication where the folks that are providing support take the time to listen and really understand the perspective and help people kind of process and navigate. And I think the amazing thing about that perspective is that I experience it myself, that we all wind up kind of learning from that and getting a, a greater level of insight, which kind of dispels the myth that support relationships are about one person knowing everything and the other person kind of being the recipient of that. It, it really is a two-way street. Lindsay, we were talking the other day about this conversation, this discussion, and you were talking about a recent conversation with John and some of the insight of, you know, John just kind of got to talking and expressing himself and, and really shared some valuable insight. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So John, our conversation the other day, I really enjoyed you opening up to me and talking about how you've been lately. And there were some things that really stuck out to me about where you're at right now and also your relationship with Shibu. And one of those is the theme of trust. I know that I've heard both of you guys talk about your trust that you have with one another and how that kind of makes the relationship a mutual, strong yeah. relationship. And so I guess I would ask you, John, to explain a little bit more about that, because it's really beautiful to hear just the trust that you guys have built between each other. Yeah. He sets back well, over the years. He's seen me on with my bad side, but he's given me space to calm down. And that's one of the good things. But at the same time, Chibu, you were one of my favorite staff, even Stefan. For sure. The times when when we did get arguments, there's sometimes where I don't mean what I say. I understand that. Like, you know, sometimes I've been going things through with my family, like, my sister and me have the certain connection. She's always a little bit on the wild side. Yeah, I'm saying that. In all of these years, I've been wanting to tell you you've been doing a great job. I appreciate it. I think that you do a good job of that. I think you're very intentional and you make it a point to give people positive feedback, which is a really, really good thing. But I really appreciate what you described. And I think it's important in every relationship, regardless whether we're talking about family relationships or romantic relationships or work relationships or relationships that you have with your neighbor. What you described just then with your experiences with Chibu is that having 
a space and a place where you can make mistakes and people give you the space to learn from those, the space to correct those. This kind of recognition that none of us are perfect and we're all going to be, how did you frame it? Be on my Bad Not side? my best side, my yeah. bad side, right? Like it's impossible to be in a relationship with a person yeah. and not experience their bad side every now and then. And I think the trust that Lindsay talks about is so important because especially in support relationships or work relationships in general, we get to this place where the expectation is we're always perfect. We're always good. We're always whatever, or the relationship is over and if that's the case, then we don't really truly have a relationship, right? Relationships are spaces where we're going to be supported to be our best self, but sometimes we've got to go through being our worst self to get there. Yeah, and at the same time, over the years, when I've been had my romantic relationships, this last one, she was actually didn't really notice this, but she was immature what she did. Like when she asked me to come over several times, I knew something was up. Like, I don't like when people bring things that they don't know what's going on, like a third party. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing point. So relationships are difficult, all relationships. Romantic relationships often have an additional layer of difficulty on top of them because you're navigating all the need for trust and mutual communication, two-way communication, understanding the opportunity to work through challenges, conflicts, mm -hmm. mistakes. But then you have like this romantic thing on top of it, right? Like a physical attraction that muddies the water, makes it more difficult. And I think most people, all people probably experience what you just described of kind of being in a romantic relationship and there are some clear signs that this isn't a healthy relationship or a good relationship. You described it as having an immature relationship partner. I think there are a lot of other ways that we see not having a healthy relationship or, or a good relationship partner, but we're too close and we're kind of experiencing some of that physical attraction stuff, the romantic relationship stuff. So you don't see it. You don't see it in that moment. One of the things you and I talk a lot about, John, is you trying to fix a relationship by yourself. And that's not possible. If you don't have a mature relationship partner who's really committed to working through that, creating the trust that Lindsay talks about and the communication that Chibu talks about, if you don't have that from both people, it's probably not going to be successful. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. out on a limb and say it's not going to be successful. But you still really try in that yeah. moment because you want it to be successful. Yeah, we mean this person did have communication through fine, but then someone third party tried to destroy the. Yeah. So it sounds like the communication was there, but the trust wasn't when there's a third party kind of coming in and interfering with that. You don't have that safe space to really trust that person and be connected with that person the way you want to. Yes, that's true. I mean, Yeah. And here's the thing for me, the important part to really understand with all of that is that all of that is true for relationships for 
human beings. And I think what we run into a lot in disability services is this misconception that people with disabilities, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities don't experience these same things, right? We have a lot of folks that kind of come to this work thinking, here's an example of what I'm trying to say. So we work a lot of times with people who have families or guardians that will say, this person isn't allowed to date or they're not allowed to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever type partner that they want because they think that keeping them safe from relationships is about keeping them safe. And they don't necessarily think that that person has those same emotional connections to other people. And that's true. They think that, but people with disabilities have their voice, even though they, some of them can't talk, they can do sign language. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if they don't have a effective form of expressive communication, they still have feelings. They still yeah, have they emotions. Do. They still have, you know, it doesn't matter what limitations that you have, that desire to be close with people, that desire to connect with people and that desire to really be valued by other people mm -hmm. is present no matter what. Yeah. And then also to add to what you just said about listening. So I think that's something that John does very well. He and I, like, I know when to listen to what he wants to say and he knows when to listen to what I want to say. And I think that, you know, comes, like it also goes with communication because if you don't listen to who you're talking to or who's talking to you, you're not going to know what they're trying to say. So yeah. you won't even know how to effectively communicate with them. Yeah. You guys do a, a really cool thing when you're trying to understand the other person where you kind of check in or you paraphrase or you're, do you mean, right? I've, Chibu, I've heard you say, do you mean? Because it's not just about hearing, right? It's about really understanding what that person is trying to say and trying to communicate. And it requires work. And I think your point about folks who don't use verbal communication, John, is really important as well. You know, we value spoken word and verbal communication so much in our society. And we tend to dismiss people that don't use that. But the reality is, is that people express themselves all day, every day in lots of different ways. And yeah. so that understanding that you're talking about and describing that listening and really meaning checking and, and understanding what somebody is saying, it goes way beyond just verbal communication, that those are things that we can do and should be doing all day, every day, checking in, checking in with people's facial expressions and checking in with their tone of voice and their posture and things like that, that, you know, John has come into my office before and sat down and I'd say, Hey, good to see you. How's it going today? And he'll say good, but he'll say good in a way that makes it very clear that it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so, you know, really is learning to listen for the person's meaning not just what i hear and not just what i assume is the meaning yeah yeah i would say that john is really good at doing that with other people one of your strengths john that i think is the strongest is 
how empathic you are. And that was something else that we talked about the other day is how that can kind of come in the way of relationships because you can take on other people's emotions. And if they're feeling sad, then you can take that on as your own. And you were talking to me about how you really work to kind of set boundaries with what you will take on. So how have you been able to do that, to move to setting some boundaries to where your empathic nature doesn't take on too much of other people's emotions? I've been walking away from it because also I don't need negativity because it normally brings my self-esteem down. And I have noticed this after many since I was finally understanding about around 16 or 17, you've known me for a long time. A very long time. And I also noticed that over the years, certain people with disabilities have gifts. You just don't put them down like saying, you have disabilities, you're not able to do certain things. and. I started over the years, I was like, no, look, we have voices too, and we are independent. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, it's valuable stuff. Two thoughts, if I don't talk myself out of getting back around to the second one. So what you just described really made me think about the value and importance of being in a positive relationship with yourself, right? Getting, building up that self-esteem building up that commitment to being a good relationship partner for you is necessary to be able to set boundaries and walk away. And I think the better you are at relationship skills, the better you are at giving yourself that same thing. And I think that's pretty interesting. Again, I've known you for more than two decades and certainly watched you grow and develop and become really good at being the type of person who cares about other people a a lot really cares about people a lot, but also balancing how to not allow how much you care about people to be something that's self-destructive for yourself. That's advanced level skills. But in you saying that, I can really kind of see that one of the key factors in that is that you learning how to be in a positive relationship with yourself, you learning how to care about yourself as much as you care about other people and really balancing what's in your best interest. And I know particularly in some past romantic relationships, that's hard. You know, you, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. you have really struggled with some past romantic relationships in wanting the absolute best for your partner in a way that you were making decisions that were not good for you. Yeah, and then also and that certain person we're talking about, I had to clean after that person too. Yeah. I was just trying to be nice, helping her doing their tours. Then after that, I got on to. Yeah. You know, it's hard. I actually a family member I had a conversation with last week around these expectations about, you know, wanting the best for someone and wanting that so much that you actually become destructive to your own well-being and to your relationship that's true it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but that's kind of how we get focused yeah then everyone may think like what people have been saying like no one knows the people i've been with and at the same time i noticed the negative signs over the times that i've been with 
these people. Mm-hmm. And then I realized it wasn't my fault. It's just the way they were treating me. Yeah. The other thing, the second point, which I'm really glad that I kept it in my mind to come back to it. I think that there's so much value in being the type of person that recognizes the gift of being a very caring person and then also recognizes how to develop the skills to do that effectively. And I know one of the things that comes up a lot for you that's really important to you is figuring out how to be a positive influence to your peers and mm. and being a, a positive mentor. Yeah. You're really concerned about that and you work really hard about it to try to do that. How are some ways that you feel like you can serve as a mentor to other folks that receive services at ASN? Well, also the last two years now going on three, I've been an uncle. So I've been working on it more than ever. Mm-hmm. So personally, I've been actually looking out for myself and I've been actually making sure when my sister is like in another spot, whenever I'm out with them, I will tell my niece to come here because she would walk over to strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncle is very important. As an aunt, I will tell you that aunts and uncles are extremely valuable people in the world. And it makes you see the world differently. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, those responsibilities for kids is, you know, a whole nother layer of stress and responsibility, even beyond romantic relationships. Yeah. And then over the time, what I also realized is not how much you put in, it's how much you care and put your whole heart into it. Unless they start doing mean things to you and then you have to talk to them at first, but if they don't stop, you just, yeah. Yeah. That's an advanced level relationship trajectory to get to a place where you care a whole lot. You put a whole lot into the relationship when they do things that, are hurtful, harmful to you, you address it, right? So there's like a whole conflict resolution skill set that you have to have in there that a lot of people don't have. And then to be able to recognize if people can't respect your boundaries and people can't treat you with respect in the way that you want to be treated, to be able to walk away from that relationship. That's like elite relationship skills, I think. Yeah, John, I I really liked that you just said it's not about how much you do. It's about how much you care. And I think what I heard from that is that there's a lot of performative things that can go into relationships, like buying presents, giving people money, doing those kinds of things. And what is the root of good relationships is that care and love that you have for one another instead of what you can give to one another. Yeah, that's also true. But also, other times I noticed after I had bought stuff for people, I was like, there was one person that acted like she cared and then didn't care. And then. Yeah. And that is a, a universal human experience. We have all been in relationships with folks that weren't good relationship partners for whatever reason. And maybe that's because they weren't good fits for us or they had a different motivation 
to be in a relationship than what we did. You know, that is something. And I think it's it's such an important point because we also experience a lot of the folks that we support have limitations that are put on their relationships or they're restricted from having relationships because of negative experiences, right? Where they've been in a relationship, it didn't go well, right? Somebody tried to take advantage of them or somebody was manipulative to them or somebody hurt them and they didn't respond well to it. And so a lot of times the support system around people reacts to that by saying, well, we need to make sure that that never happens again. And the way for you to never be hurt again is for you to never be able to have a relationship like that again. And what I know from my own life experiences and all the experiences that I've ever witnessed and anybody I've ever known is that part of the way you get to being in good and healthy relationships with people is that you learn from the negative relationships that you've had, right? You go into a relationship does it go the way you want to? And you take away from that relationship better skills for the next time. And so we talk a lot in disability services about the problematicness of the readiness model, where we have these expectations that people with disabilities can only do things when they've demonstrated that they're ready to do them. So you can only manage your money if you're perfect at managing your money except you can't learn how to be perfect at managing your money until you manage your money. You can only go get a job once you've demonstrated that you can be a perfect employee, but you can't be a perfect employee if you never get a job. And relationships are the same way. Part of what we learn is that we learn from our mistakes. It's also true. Yeah. And over the years when I was at CFE, like, I seen them as my family. And then like here lately, there's been a lot of arguments and fighting. I've been trying to stay away from it. And they're also thinking about taking me out of CFE. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, getting to that place where you can make good decisions about what's in your best interest. You know, it's also difficult sometimes, I think, for all of us, because especially when you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time, to expect the way that we used to be to be how we will always be. And that's never the case. None of us are static. None of us stay the same. We all change. We, we grow over time. Yep, absolutely. And I also realize my mom's worries about things, but at the same time, I'm like, look, I'm getting it. Like, I know. Same time, she may not know I love them, but I also need to handle some other things. Like, I want to visit my birth mom's grave because I didn't even get to say goodbye while she died while I was having spinal surgery. So, yeah. Yeah, that's heavy stuff. In over the years, like, there's been people mean to me, but I never really said anything, but I've been like trying to handle it better. Yep. That's good stuff. Yeah. And I realized me growing to this size and getting muscle and stuff, people are a little more scared of me. It's interesting that you say that. That's one of the things that we talk about a lot is you are you you spend a lot of time being concerned about how people perceive you. Right. And then I also realized that it's not that 
it's not my fault because it's my genetics. Yeah. And people just assume that when I walk in, they just start shaking. Yeah, what people assume about us can definitely interfere with the relationships that we have with yeah. them and with the people around them, for sure. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we talk a lot about is trying to support people to facilitate healthy relationships, positive relationships. And Lindsay, you do a lot of work in that area with lots of folks. Can you talk a little bit about some of the roles that people we support have in their lives and how kind of disability and some of the misconceptions impact that? Some of the relationships that you've supported people to navigate and the way that we're able to see some folks in those relationships that maybe other folks don't because of those misconceptions associated with disability. Yeah, I think, you know, right off the top of my head, parenting and family relationships and roles come up. And this even ties into John, because I know, John, that's one of your goals for your future is to have a family. And that's something that we support people to achieve and to be successful at, which comes with a lot of misconceptions and not just from individuals, but from systems at play, particularly, you know, like DHS being involved with parents with disabilities and kind of the unrealistic expectations that are put on parents who have disabilities. I've seen people have to jump through hoops that people without disabilities aren't having to jump through to have and keep their children. And so that's one of the most significant, but even just marriage and relationships, I think that's a huge thing it's a desire for everyone. It's one of the things that gives us quality of life is having friends and intimate relationships and people close to us. And so oftentimes, like Sayard said, when we're going about this from a protective standpoint and trying to protect someone from being hurt, what we're ending up doing is taking away something in their life that could actually give them quality of life and make their life better. Yeah. And also, you know, one thing that John, that you were talking about is your relationship with your moms and supported decision-making comes to mind and the balance that people have in the relationships with their families and how oftentimes parents, guardians, family members can be very protective over letting go control to let people make their own decisions. And so Constantly, you know, I'm working with people to walk that line of maintaining that relationship with their family while also making a plan for how they can make their own decisions. And I know that that's something, John, that you're working on and something that you guys have made progress on being able to kind of allow you to have more independence. And I think it would be nice to hear you talk a little bit about the difference between you and your sister and kind of your relationship with your moms and how you see that to be different. Yeah. Well, it's just a little bit different because like I have went through things before that they actually met me, but at the same time I was done with it. And over time, like, I don't know. Me and my adopted mom have grown apart, but I don't know. I'm trying to see if we can fix it. And what are some of the things that you're doing to work on fixing that? Well, I've been talking to my mom and seeing if we can have 
son and mom time and she's like no we're gonna go out as a family here soon yeah i think relationship expectations are a challenge for all of us and especially when you're trying to kind of navigate how we develop relationships that are complicated that are lifelong relationships and we could do a whole podcast conversation i think on just the topic of adoption adoptions hard yeah they're complicated and it's interesting because There are a lot of folks that kind of come to the table and have this super positive look on adoption that, you know, you're taking a person who was in a less than ideal circumstance and giving them opportunities in life that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And, you know, what I know about relationships is that conflicting things can be true at the same time. Also, there's like relationship stuff between me and my mom. Well, over the years, he said some things and I would say stuff back and she had to deal with it. And he didn't know that like when we talk, me and my mom, there's stuff already been said. Yeah. And then me and her start arguing. That's what he catches on to. There's a bigger story there and then he doesn't know. Yeah, I think that's for all of us, though. I mean, it goes back to kind of pointing the conversation to the value of your relationship. Having somebody that can help you process through those things is so important in navigating any conflict. And I never thought over these years that I would get like this much understanding. And I actually understand. But then like when I go in public is like now my anxiety goes up. Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to take it with a grain of salt when I go in there. Yeah. Navigating those expectations. And emotions. Mm -hmm. And emotions, for sure. Yeah. Well, there's other things that are new going on with me that I never thought would happen. Yeah. Like what? Well, I never thought I would go in somewhere and my anxiety would go up. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you talked earlier about kind of learning how to be in a good relationship with yourself. I think those were the words I put to it, but you were describing kind of learning how to set boundaries and make decisions based on what was in your best interest. And I think part of that is just learning how to pay more attention to what you're feeling which makes sense to me why you experience more anxiety in situations that maybe before you didn't, because I think you're learning how to listen to yourself and listen to your own emotions and be more in tune with that. So for me, that makes sense. You know, I'm not sure if that makes sense in the way you perceive that, but for me, that definitely makes sense. And I meant to tell you over the years, thank you. Well, here's the thing. You've told me thank you lots of times. Uh, yeah, it's it's, like, your, it's well, one of your superpowers. You're a very appreciative person. But I'm not sure that I've always been good at that. So you deserve to hear me say thank you. Because, you know, we met each other in a support relationship, but you have worked extremely hard to continue to nurture our relationship. And you've put a lot of energy and effort into us staying connected and us staying friends and us staying that family connection that we have. And I appreciate that very much. I'm the type of person that stays busy and will busy myself with work and not think about those connections or relationships all the time. But in our relationship, you are definitely the one who brings our relationship back to connection and caring and concern. And I appreciate you for that. And it also takes loyalty to actually take those 
feelings and emotions. Yep. One of the things that you remind me of on a regular basis, John, is that there is something very special about feeling like someone knows you from a historical perspective. I love it when you have new members of your support team, new DSPs, and I see you with them and you introduce them. One of the first things that you do is say, tell them how long you've known me. Tell them how old I was when you met me. And like, it's a point of pride for you, but it's also a point of pride for me. It really reinforces the fact that you and I have meant a lot to each other for a long time. And that we have a length of relationship that is longer than a lot of people. Not everybody gets to brag on a 23-year-long friendship that's still meaningful today. So I appreciate you for that. Yeah. Like the people I try to be friends with and later on, like in a couple of years, I try to make them family. Yeah. No, you're good at it. Like my new friend, Andrew, he's already family. You know, Andrew? I'm not sure. I think that's a beautiful point, though, to really kind of bring the conversation back to the center. I would ask everybody as we kind of close out, you know, what advice you have for being in a healthy relationship. You want to start? Well, it takes a lot of respect, loyalty and caring and love and being there for the person. Commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Shibu's been there, so has Stefan, and now Keith. But it's me and Keith don't talk as much as we used. Yeah. Now he has a baby boy. Yeah, he's got new relationships he's focused on for sure. Yeah. Shibu, what about you? What's uh, your advice? I would say understanding both parties has to be willing to make a compromise. You know, because people are different. You know, you, you can't be or uh, be in a relationship, whether it's um, a relationship with you know a lady or a relationship with your friends. You have at some point you have to be willing to make compromise. You have to listen to them. You have to understand where they're coming from. You have to tell yourself, uh, okay, uh, is this something that I'm willing to like? You know, bend myself a little bit just to you know, you know, make adjustment or room for the other person. Like, if you cannot make a compromise, I don't think any relationship can work. You know, I like it. Yeah. yeah, and then also where I was going to say is you're going to have to meet that person halfway. Yep, that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, what about you? I think that just adding to what you said, Chibu, I think self-reflection is a huge part of compromise in relationships. And whenever you know you are having to think about, do I want to give myself a little bit for this? being able to reflect on the fact that we're all just human and we're all trying our hardest and that we all have, you know, things that we do. We all have personality traits that are maybe not the most enjoyable for other people. And so being able to give grace to the other person in a relationship and understand that you're both just showing up, doing your best and trying your hardest and that we're only human. Yeah. She will. (laughs) I've been always wanting to say this. I I love you as a brother. I know. <laughs> you figured that out already. Yeah, I know. You're, you're pretty good at letting people know that. <laughs> I would add to that. I think that it's really important to for any relationship, any relationship, all the way from family to work to romantic and everything in between, 
that it's really important to be able to recognize and value the person for who they are beyond just who you want them to be. And I think compromise factors into that being self-aware, but really learning how to see that person as they are, have that kind of loyalty and commitment to them, knowing that sometimes there may be negative components of that, negative aspects of that. But being committed to the work of being in a relationship with someone is really accepting and valuing them for who they are as they are, knowing that they'll change, you'll change, we'll all change. But right now in this moment, this is who we are. And we can respect that about each other. We can appreciate that about each other. And we can support each other, really work to understand each other. And those are all things, John, that that you do about as well as anybody. I appreciate you for them. You're welcome. And I appreciate all of you for being here today. And until next time, this has been Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. 